Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. And with my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon, we got a lot going on, not just in real life, but in the news. We got staffers protesting outside the White House, their own White House. We have the mayor of Boston with a very special invitation. Some more news out of the Ivy Leagues. But before we get to all that, oh, and Washington is just going down the tubes. We're going to get to all of that. But before that, Vic, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mary Catherine. Let me tell you why. I recently saw an ad for Walmart that featured some of the stars of Mean Girls, one of my favorite movies. Have you seen this commercial for no, Walmart? I but uh, oh, I'm sure this is like, this goodness. is going to be some cultural signifier of how old I am at this point that this is being used. Yes. Yes. They're going after you and me. Well, me, really you, because, you know, I mean, as a guy, I'm just watching this from a distance and enjoying it for what the quality of the commercial, really. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. Walmart put together uh, a series of ads and clips featuring Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Zayfried, and Lacey Chabert. Now, mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams, I guess she was too busy. I haven't seen Lindsay Lohan on the commercials. I saw her on the clips. Amanda Zayfried and Lacey Chabert, I saw her. In the, the saw them both in the commercial. They're playing their characters from Mean Girls, okay. an amazing movie. If you have not watched it, it is a wonderful movie. It really it's hits on so all good. cylinders. Yes, everything. The right and I, there's not really any dull moments in it. Yeah, and it's just well, not for you. <laughs> it's great to watch. Yes, I saw that movie in the theater with Matt Labash. Funny enough, I think he was writing on it. That's why. And he, of course, yes. And I heard secondhand that. He did not mind watching the movie with me, except for I make a lot of noises. But it's just like, oh, ooh, something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember. But I just want to say this. In the clips, the little shorts that they did for Walmart, Lacey Chabert, whose uh, character was Gretchen Wiener, you know, in mm-hmm. the end of the movie, Mean Girls, she ends up becoming sort of the queen bee for the Vietnamese clique. Right. And in this movie, and this, and in, in these scenes now, because we're fast forward to the future, I don't want to know how many years it's been since Mean Girls, by the way. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. She now has children. And here's the best part. The children are Asian. And That's so, great. you know, if you're, a, I've been a fan of Lacey Chabert since Party of Five. No, not in that way, because mm-hmm. she was a child. And I, at Party of Five, I love Jennifer mm-hmm. Love Hewitt. Yes, that was course. my favorite from Party of Five. But Lacey Chabert, She's she's very smart. The actress she she's conservative. I don't know if you know this. She's conservative, and she she does a lot of those Hallmark movies. She does. You know, she's a Hallmark regular. So then I started to put this put it all together. I said, "Oh my goodness, here's this woman. This, this this woman. She's this actress. She's beautiful. She's conservative, and she's into Asian men. And then and then I realized I described my wife. Ah, <laughs> oh, you like where I was going with that." Huh? So beautiful. I surprised you in her. It was a Christmas miracle that that I one. Sh- yes, I, I sure yeah. hope she didn't turn off the show and then filed for a divorce. So, Mary Catherine, how are you? I want to know where you've been, but also you're beginning to sound a little bit like Kathleen Turner. What's <laughs> I know, right? Listeners are going to love this show. <laughs> yeah, this is a bit of a warning that this this may be a shortened show, depending on how this voice is working out, because it is. I am losing it. Uh, there's, you know. It's the holiday season and I have lots of children and they have lots of various germs and yes, I have now caught one of them. Look, I held out for a long time. There have been some sniffles in this house for a long time. No, that I have not Considering been all the children in your house. Yes. Yeah, it's impressive. So now I'm, I was like last man standing. 
and I finally got something. So I'm working on it. I just want to say that uh, Rachel McAdams not showing up for these shorts or in, the, in these advertisements. Yeah. I don't love that. I wish she was there. And maybe maybe the premise is that, that the actual Regina George would not be into coming back either. But <laughs> you said maybe she's too busy and like maybe she's too big time. But Seyfried got extremely big time yeah. after after Mean Girls. So it would it would seem that McAdams could show up too. Anyway, and okay. let me just say, by the way, they look so good. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. I, you can't see my face. The listeners can't. But I'm like, ah, uh, you know, they, they just perhaps, they look like they have barely aged. Perhaps it's just my age of woman that is really yes. holding up. Holding okay. Up. <laughs> so I was in New Jersey. I was in your homeland. Oh, yes, whereabouts? I if, I, if we may ask, whereabouts? I was in Fairfield. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. That's all the way up north. Yes. So I was in Fairfield. I went into the Newark Penn Station. Which Ooh. I have never gotten off at before. I've always gone through. To Neither have I. But Newark Penn Station, I wasn't expecting it to be like, it's an old railway station. Kind uh, of pretty inside. It has wow. the old, it has the old signs, the old fonts, like the pretty, you know, it hasn't yeah. been. It's like, it probably is just that Newark went so far past the time when they would modernize it that it just like yeah. never happened. And so now it still has the wooden benches. And um, wow, it, yeah, I, it sounds it like it nice. sounds like a, a very Jersey pork barrel project, you know, where they stick that onto some bill about refurbishing the Frank Lautenberg train station. And I think one of Maybe those stations so. is known as the Frank Lautenberg train station. I'm not sure if it's that one or if it's in Sea Caucus or wherever, but do tell. Well, it was very pretty. And then I got there and I was very hungry. And as you do in New Jersey, even in the train station, I was like, look, there's a pizza place right outside my train. I'm very hungry. What are the chances that this slice of pizza is going to be good? Now, in any other train station, not great chances, right. but it's New Jersey. So I bought my $4 slice and it was delicious. <laughs> it was, oh, now, yes. I don't know, I don't oh, know yes. if it's because I was so hungry. That mm. might have been part of it. No. But also, it's it was like just the perfect amount of balance, crispy and chewy. How did yes. they do that? Yes. How do they do it? Uh, largely, it's water. It's also there within the proximity of, you know, if you picture New York and then within New York, I think it's the Bronx that is the sort of the epicenter of yeah. real amazing pizza. I know our friend Sonny Bunch would say that the answer is Sabaros, but let's not right, entertain his foolishness. But the epicenter is, you know, like the Bronx and it emanates out from there. So you'll get decent ish pizza in Connecticut, though it morphed into its own thing and New Jersey and you were in North Jersey specifically. Mm -hmm. So that will have very good pizza. Even where I am in Tom's river, it's, it's still very good. Water is part of it. And the other thing is there's a real emphasis on a sweetness to the sauce, I think. Yeah. And the cheese is really great too. Obviously. And as you mentioned, it's the perfect, it's not completely mush. It's not too no. hard. It's, just right. It's remarkable. And I, I thought, you know what? This is probably a middling piece of pizza oh, yeah. in New Jersey. Sure. But it was fantastic. So yeah. congratulations to your people. Thank you. Um, and then I On went their over, behalf. <laughs> then I went over to give a speech at a gathering of, there's a group called Jersey First that does conservative, physically conservative and uh, messaging and work and education freedom in the state of New Jersey. And so I went up to give a speech at their gathering and it was very nice. And I didn't Excellent. know where I was going. I knew the address, but I didn't know where I was going until I just put the address in the Uber. And we drive over and 
we get there and it's sort of like in a like sort of an office park ish kind of thing okay and the driver you know knowing that he has a let's be generous a young lady in the back of his car is like do you know exactly where i'm dropping you he doesn't want to drop me just in a random parking lot and i said no i don't actually but if let's like creep up a little bit and see if we can figure out where the opening of this you know where the door to this place is because it doesn't look like there's an obvious right. door so we pull up a little bit and we both look to my left and we see this palatial garage with beautiful exotic car after beautiful exotic car yeah. well fairfield and, it, and just like mclarens and porsche <laughs> speedsters and it, all the things from modern to classic um yeah there was oh a there was a chevy bel-air in there it was like yeah. Every, yeah and i did have a that also there's like italian food cooking upstairs and you're getting like wafting out yes and the guy the uber driver goes what kind of place is this? And I said, I think it's Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you did? Did you really say that? Yes. <laughs> did he laugh? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, um, maybe you could you could have been in Jay Leno's home. I'm no, so it was uh, it was like a car, it's like a, a car aficionado club, and a lot oh. of them store cars there. Oh um, okay. but it's a private club where this was being held. And I did I make a little bit of a chop shop goodfellas joke uh, in my speech? Yes, I did. <laughs> That's right. Some of them actually belong to the people there. <laughs> so I'm taking notes. That's good. Nick. Yeah, thank you. Use that again. <laughs> anyway, so that's what I did. And then I got up and I came right back home. And here I am uh, trying to preserve my voice. Very nice. I'm yes. glad you had a, a, a very pleasant trip to the Garden State. It was lovely. And my, my hosts were great. Good job, Jersey First, working on all that. Even in a, even in a blue state, as we understand in the yeah. very purplish state of virginia it's hard work so speaking of your people Vic, yes were you oh. invited to the mayor of boston's christmas party uh, yes you know i was thinking of going and bringing my kids but my kids could only stay half the time <laughs> is yeah. Yeah. please so, explain to so, everybody what well, happened here there's a little bit of a controversy, Vic. Mm. The Boston mayor, Michelle Wu, who's an Asian American, I believe she's born to Taiwanese parents. She had a gathering of electeds of color. So I guess you weren't eligible because you're not no, elected. I'm not elected. I'm not elected. Um, electeds of color from across the state. This email inviting everyone to the Christmas party for electeds of color was sent by a person who works in her office, but it was sent incorrectly to... Oh. All the electeds, including the electeds of no color. <laughs> the electeds of pallor were included on the email. And, and when they inquired, hmm, is there a Christmas party that we're not invited to because of our race? They said, yes, indeed, that's, that's correct. You were mistakenly sent this invitation and it is now rescinded. Wow. <laughs> they rescinded their invitation. How do they determine who gets to go? Like, could you be biracial and go? Or, I mean, I'm making it, oh, I, I thought I was kidding, but maybe they do only let you go for the, the appetizers. I don't and know. And you have to leave. And you, you have know? to go. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, really, how do they determine this unless it's so very carefully categorized? Unless you have, you know, do you have to have at least a parent or a, or a grandparent who fits in a specific it's like, minority? It's uh, like they, they actually have a testing situation. Yeah. Like yeah. The, it, it, the it, tribes. It, yeah. I believe it's called to... the Nuremberg Laws for the party. The Nuremberg, this, you know how. 
you know, there's that when, once the, the Chatham House rules, they used to say, when yes. you go to like one of these big, you know, confabsies, transatlantic conference, they would say Chatham House rules. Well, these are the Nuremberg laws, rules, Nuremberg rules. So, you know, only if, if you have a quarter, a quarter <laughs> on the right side, then you can attend. So uh, that's something. So what's interesting about this is that she's responded to the controversy, Wu has, except she's responded by saying, she, she said it was a mistake. You know what the mistake yeah. was, Nick? The mistake was sending the email out to the wrong people. <laughs> yes. In other words, rather than say, oops, yes, of course you're all invited. The way most people do, and if, if you ever were committed a faux pas of this nature, mm-hmm. you wouldn't tell the person, go out of your way to say you're not invited. And instead, well, like a lot of people these days, she just doubled down. No, it's a real theme this week in our it stories. Really is. No one's taking responsibility for things. No one's. And they're not going to pay a price because she figures she's like, who's going to pay in Boston? Right. Susanna Gibson's a great example from Virginia yeah. who's not taking responsibility yeah. for that or admitting that it was even mm-hmm. an issue. Uh, in this case, the email is the issue, not the fact that she's having a whites not allowed yes. Christmas party. Now she says that this is a, this is a professional group that was an association that she's had for a while, and they always had an annual party. But the problem is. One, A, it's not okay to tell people about the races that can't come to your party for, because of the race. And B, are taxpayer funds used for any of this? Because that would be yeah. illegal, yeah. correct? Yes. I mean, if you were obviously of another race, let's say Caucasian, and decided yeah. you were having a Caucasian-only party, I don't think that would fly. You don't uh, think that would even go though over what well? you're saying is yes. What about I don't know, for example, Middle Easterners or you know, or, or do they count as minorities or not? You know, depending on Israelis, would they count? Oh. I, I think about. Do you remember the Virginia versus Loving case, right? The uh, mm-hmm. where it's the um, the interracial, the white man and the black woman, and it was a right. it was a landmark case about interracial marriage in Virginia. Obviously, a very important case. There was a previous incident they mentioned that happened before. In which it was where the it was a black woman, but the man was Italian, and at the mm. time, in the state, they weren't sure how to classify him, right. so they just really? let him marry her because he didn't really count as white. Right, uh, right. So these things are kind of subjective, and I don't know. You know, you could make this case now. I, you know, I don't yeah. know. It's kind of weird. So anyway, yeah, that's a. Not a great story. Anyway. I, look, I mean, look, when I grew up, you know, there was a, the Filipino-American, you know, association in Ocean County. Right. And they had an annual Christmas party. And we we would bring our non-Filipino friends, you know. Yeah, you uh, you were prohibited from No, you, you, could, you could bring people of other ethnicities. We welcomed them with open arms. So this is a little bit different. Speaking of people who aren't taking responsibility. Get you with the transitions. Oh, man. Christmas come early when Hunter Biden decides to freelance a press conference on the yeah. on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah. When he's supposed to be giving a deposition to the oversight committee. Now, he declined to do that. I think he declined to do that because it would make him under oath. Yeah, that's right. So he is facing charges on gun stuff and tax stuff much of which, at least the tax stuff, we learned about from whistleblowers. So that would seem to suggest that this is pretty valid stuff because they blew the whistle and said, hey, he should probably be charged. He had not been charged, likely due to interference and by his father or people on behalf of him to keep him out of trouble. 
and pressure inside the inside the the yeah. government to keep him safe. And then lo and behold, when all that became public, once there was this outrageous plea deal they had for him, back to the drawing board. So, you know, keep in mind, he did get some help from Eric Swalwell, who mm. helped him organize this press conference, even though, of course, Swalwell is a member of Congress, but he's helping him flout that subpoena. Now, well-known media yeah. genius, Eric Swalwell. Yes, yes, exactly. And really a, a friend to the Chinese people, as you know. Certain, 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 certain Chinese, Fang Fang, the, uh, the the former friend and assistant and spy. So the the interesting thing with the Hunter Biden case is the, the subpoena, it was his lawyer. So Abby Lowell and Hunter Biden, they do not recognize the House subpoena as being an absolute sort of, you must obey this or you will face contempt charges because he said, you know, this was House leadership that pushed for this inquiry. There was no official vote. It's an unofficial subpoena. So we're just not, we're just going to ignore it. But of course, right after that happened, the House then voted to launch the actual formal inquiry into a possible impeachment of President Biden. So if they re-subpoena Hunter, I guess there'd be more impetus for him to show up. But I, you know, if he doesn't, what are they going to do? I don't know. I mean, it turns out as, as with most things, there's always a tweet or a video. And uh, here's here's Biden talking about J6 folks trying to get out of subpoenas. What's your message to people who defy congressional subpoenas on the January 6th committee? I hope that the committee goes after them and uh, holds them accountable. Should they similar. be prosecuted by the I, I do, Department? yes. They should be prosecuted. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, they should. I mean, everybody's mind will change immediately. Here's, here's Hunter Biden, and this is what he's peddling. And again... There's a theme, much like Susanna Gibson or Mayor Wu. It's all so insulting, like that this is the answer for your bad behavior. Here we go. Attack my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They have ridiculed my struggle with addiction. They belittled my recovery. And they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father, who has devoted his entire public life to service. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine. So he's the victim. Uh, Yes. Is the most important Where my wife sleeps and where my children play with their toys. Reference, that's my Godfather 2 reference. (laughs) Let's also keep in mind, thanks to Andrew Weissman and those whistleblowers, you know, he tried not to pay, what, close to a million dollars in taxes and instead had that money diverted to escorts and sex clubs. And do you remember all while this is happening, he also fought against child support for his daughter, for Navy Joan, because he said he had no money no, while that's, driving that's a Porsche most... and living in a, in a fancy house in L.A. Well, and getting so. his friends to fly him around on private yeah. jets and yeah. fund his paying back of his taxes and yeah. all sorts of things. It's a little rich. It's, it's, it's insulting. It's insulting. We like, I know a lot of people didn't know that he was fighting child support for his kid. He was, he was fighting and saying that he was not the father of this child Yeah, and fought that on that front for several Mm -hmm. years before a paternity test was demanded. And it turned out "Mm, he is indeed the father, at which point he continued to fight uh, and said, I don't have the money uh, to pay this woman or her, or my child, my, my, my child that is confirmed while he was doing all that nonsense. It's, it's true. And of course the people who look, 
I think it is worth making the distinction whenever you're evaluating the behavior of public figures or he's, I guess he's like elected adjacent to say, okay, well, what's just bad behavior and what's illegal? It's clear that a lot of this crossed over into illegal, but even the stuff that's not illegal, all the people who, when President Trump was doing anything, could easily say, this makes him a horrendous person unfit for anything. Right. Not see it when it comes to Hunter Biden and Joe. In fact, I have a little clip of it. You're going to really enjoy this one. It's an all-time classic. This is Ana Navarro (laughs) on The View. Here we go. You ready for this? No. Joe Biden's crime is being Hunter Biden's father and being Hunter Biden's very loving father, very good father, very supportive father. Look. He loves him. By the way. When when did this happen? Is this a, is, that's a recent clip that I she just? This, I believe this is recent. Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was something from before because I actually wrote down, brace for more stories about the anguish of a loving father. Yeah. And here you are. The narrative it, it continues. Well, I'm and she. Yeah. I want to. I want to play a little more of her because oh. it gets even more outrageous. By the way, she also like accuses. And they're clapping. Her. They're clapping about this. Is oh yeah, no, and she also accuses her her fellow panelists of something here, which I don't quite understand what she's saying and neither do they, but here you go. You can try to decipher it for me. Did Hunter Biden influence Petal on his last name? Yes, he did. So did half of Washington. People sitting at this table did it. Did Joe, uh, did Hunter Biden, <laughs> did Hunter Biden, uh, They're all very Hunter confused. Biden yeah, yeah. Cheat on his taxes? Yes, he did. Who so pet- wait, actually, who at this table peddled on their last name? I did. I'm not talking about currently. Oh. Uh, Okay, so like, so Barbara Walters is that who she's talking about? I don't, I don't know what she's talking about. At any rate, Elizabeth, she, uh, what's her name? She I, both, I, her, yeah. I, I assume it was like Shade for Alyssa, the one. Oh, right. I assume that's damn. what that is. Yikes. But <laughs> she says outright, Did he do both of these things? Absolutely. She repeats it after this. She says, yeah, he did those things. But, you know, a lot of people cheat on their taxes, Vic. Yeah, you're damn right. I called the code red, you know? Yeah, that's that's one way that's one way to go about it, I guess. I, I'm wondering, though, when, when, when Hunter did that press conference, do you think, Mary, well, obviously in The View it worked, but do you think he generally will gain, gain sympathy from doing this? I don't think so. I mean, well, I'd like it, to not think so, but. Well, and the, apparently there's as, as you would understand there to be a uh, conflict between White House aides and the Biden team, the oh. Hunter Biden team, about whether he should be doing this publicly. Oh, yeah. It's sure. obviously not a good look for dad to have him yeah. front and center, even though dad takes him on Air Force One all the time on foreign trips. So like mm-hmm. he slept on a cot in Ireland yeah. and he goes to state dinners. Uh, so he's been front and center in that way. They they don't necessarily want him speaking publicly. No, especially after the uh, the charges. From, yeah, uh, and he also, Corinne Jean Pierre was asked, like, "Hey, you know, you guys always talk about how what a loving father he is." Mm-hmm. Peter Ducey asked, "You know, what a loving father he is, and how much influence he has on him." Did he know that he was going to skip out on the subpoena today? And she seemed to in- imply that he did know he was going yeah. to, and that he was going to speak yeah. out. And he's very, pr- she, he's very proud of his son. Yeah. When I was listening to him, all, all I can think and 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 saying how he's a victim, um, and everything is very unfair. And obviously covering for his father that this is all him. He doesn't actually say what it is that he's, you know, he thinks he might or might have done or not. But all I can think of was the Harvey Weinstein apology. 
do you remember after all the charges and the the, the allegations had come out? Yeah, uh, and he with with a lot of PRL help, a lot of good it did him. Crafted that letter that said, "I understand about these charges, and I really feel bad." But you know, I'm going to turn things around and continue my fight against the National Rifle Association. Yes, yeah. And as my mother told me, you know, and it's like really, yeah, it didn't work. And the gun control know. one was a nice read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case, you know, like like dogs and squirrels, just mention that and change the subject, you know. So, and then there's the impeachment itself of of of, of his father now. And this is a, and, you know, as a result of this Hunter Biden business, and the more complicated, and the more the worse it looks for for, for Joe. Because they move the goalposts. So before it was, you know, we're flat out, full stop. Biden had said during the campaign trail, don't know anything about my son's business. Never spoke to him about it. Discussed it. And now we have, I don't know, 20 times at least that he's met with Hunter Associates. Yes, but we didn't talk about the business. Right. Maybe talked about the weather. So as a result, as we we said earlier on this episode, now the, the House has actually formally passed this inquiry into the impeachment. They're not voting on impeachment that, but it's now official. They are looking into possible impeachment of the president. So, but again, on the other side, they're completely skeptical. They say there's no there there. And I believe, Mary Catherine, that the new the threshold for the Democrats is you have to produce a check that has the communist, the CCP on the letterhead. And, yeah. and and then on the memo line, it says bribery. Right. Uh, anything bribe for, short of that. Bribe for Joseph R. Biden. It has to be. Otherwise, no. don't see it. Not no, it's, it's true. So Hunter himself said that there's no fairness or decency yeah. in GOP efforts to connect his foreign business dealings to an impeachment inquiry with, into his father. Speaking of shame, shameless, by the way, one of his quotes from this event is that he's proud of the global business partners he's made over the right. years. Well, he's owning that. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. He can and set up his new office in Beijing. But the thing that's sad about it is that is that, you know, I would say have some shame, except having shame actually hurts you politically. I yeah. I think it's wiser. It's I don't think it's moral, but I think it's wiser strategically. This is like what's been going on for several years now, yeah. is that doubling, tripling down on everything is the way you get out of it faster. Be unrepentant. Yes. Yeah. It, it's never worked out where somebody who has apologized for this is, is then, you know, come out better, it, except for their soul. <laughs> but who needs that? This is Washington. Yeah, this, is, this is Washington. No, it's just mm-hmm. funny because, you know, the threshold for the Democrats when it came to impeaching Trump the first time, I'm yeah. not talking about January 6th. It's an entirely different, a terrible issue. But the first time over the collusion with Russia, you know, I just felt like, I don't know, maybe the threshold was somewhat lower. Well, I mean, you, if you use the standard of evidence that we yeah. used for Russiagate, which was mm-hmm. terrible and bad and wrong and and, and resulted yeah. in four years of incorrect news stories, yeah. you could certainly, you could pin a lot of stuff on Biden, right? It, the, the, the standards are completely different than they were for that story. And that's that really bugs me because it seems so obvious mm-hmm. to me. But this is the new thing. We're just, I mean, not the new thing, the new-ish thing where we just like lie to people's faces and we're proud of it. The other thing that the Biden administration, by the way, is, and a lot of liberal pundits in the past two days have been just lying to people's faces about is inflation. There's this, there's this whole oh. argument going on online on Twitter there. It's like, where it's like, stop talking about your grocery bills, people. It's not real. <laughs> yeah. Like, your wages are keeping pace. And it's like, y'all. I promise you this is not a good strategy. Doing an impeachment inquiry 
also might not be a good political strategy for telling the American people you're dealing with their real issues, but I know that telling them their groceries are cheap is not the way to do it. <laughs> people know better for themselves and they can make that decision when they go in and they decide to buy, I don't know, their, you know, their eggs or all your basics and realize how much more expensive things are. I know, you know what's crazy? As you know, I am a gout sufferer. And one way that I fight it is by drinking cherry juice and just regular pure tart cherry juice at like the supermarket is now anywhere between nine and fourteen dollars. For like a, it's not a giant jug either, and it's pure. Granted, I drink them in you know amounts like shots because right. it's you know tart. You don't want to drink the whole thing, but that for me was the gauge of wait a minute, who's paying twelve bucks or whatever for Knudsen's cherry juice? Yeah, and my metric has always been look. You know, we live in a high cost area. This is a high cost of living area, sure. but the incomes in the DC area are often commensurate with the fact that it is a higher yeah. cost area. And so I acknowledge that my family, even though we have a high cost area, even though we have four, four kids likely does better than the vast majority oh, of Americans yeah. on paper. And if I'm feeling it, right. they are feeling it. And I started to feel it a year and a half ago. Yeah. In very serious ways and in, in very noticeable ways. And to, to tell people that it's not real is just wild to me. I find that to be the worst strategy. Yeah. Because they probably know better for themselves. But that's generally the attitude of we know better than you. So Yeah. You know who thinks they know better than Joe Biden, Vic? Who would that be? The staffers at the White House. Oh, right. So we've got the anonymous interns signing letters. We've got staffers on, in the State Department signing letters. Now we've got staffers outside the White House lighting candles for a ceasefire. Many of them are masked. They don't announce themselves or their current jobs because they want to keep their current jobs. And uh -huh. I would suggest that if you feel so passionately about this, perhaps you should not be serving this administration. Yeah. But we do not have the courage of our convictions. <laughs> No, no, they want it both ways. They want that job. They like having their, what is their, 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 their thrifts, their TSPs. They got to keep their TSPs, their yeah. thrift savings plans. And in any event, they would actually hate to get out the job, but they feel very strong. Again, they're like this fifth column or a rear guard. This is a, yeah. a masked vigil by dozens of the West. Yes. And, and, and you, you throw into this the other anonymous petitions from the Biden State Department against their own bosses. Yeah. Uh, even under the four years of Trump, I don't think Trump ever had to deal with workers who say, I object to you for X policy. No. You know, they, they did Abraham, it a little bit more secretly. They certainly objected at times, but they did oh, it a sure, little more, sure, a little sure. more subtly yes. than this. I, I do think this speaks to a sort of entitlement on the left and, and uh -huh. they're enamored with protest culture in general. So yeah. they're just like, this is what we do. Yeah. Except that's not what you do. When you're working for an administration, protesters won, but they don't realize it. It's it cracks me up that by the way the left is like, yeah, put your name all over this tax fraud and gun crimes, and just just double down and your your yeah. racist Christmas party. Just tell people that, that that's awesome. But when it comes to things that arguably they're making a moral argument about, yeah. they won't put their name on it. <laughs> no, like just, and let me let, let me put a kafia on and say yeah. it's in solidarity. But when in fact, I just don't want them to see my face. Yeah, you know, um, but, and and that's only part of it, as you, I'm sure you're going to point out about the vice president too. Oh yeah, no, she's part of the she's part of the the rear guard. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so Kamala, Vice President Kamala Harris, this is Politico reporting, has been telling colleagues in the administration that she wants the White House to show more concern publicly for the humanitarian damage in Gaza, 
where Israel is locked in a bloody and prolonged battle with Hamas, according to three people familiar with Harris's comments. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think this is another flailing attempt by the Kamala team to try to find some purchase for this remarkably unskilled vice president. It's a more, uh, this is actually a more sympathetic issue for the, for the left's activist base. This one might sort of. Sure. Hit At some the expense of other, perhaps Jewish Democrats. Right. So I can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah. So that might hit some good notes for them, but like, she, yeah. I just think this is all, none of it's really planned. Her, her, her staff changes all the time. They're always sort of like, it feels like they're just sort of lashing out occasionally with like, here's another thing that Kamala's trying. <laughs> right. Uh, and she's, you know, I don't know if they gave her the go ahead to just say this or if she was just, you know, that that was all off the cuff. This is when she was in Dubai. But they are caught in this bind because, again, you have, you know, you have your traditional Democrats like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, for example, you know, and uh, Jewish Democrats yeah. who are who are on the side of Israel, Chuck Schumer for that matter. And then on the other side, you have the squad. Bernie Sanders is now demanding that we cut back military aid to Israel by $10 billion, right? Oof. And I just saw in the news, the Biden administration, they're holding back giving Israel something like 27,000 M4 and M16 rifles because they're afraid it's going to fall in the hands of settlers, settlers, and they'll use them against Palestinians in the West Bank. So, except here we are, here we are sending trucks of aid on which Hamas oh, yeah. gunmen are sitting as they roll into, yeah, yeah. Gun, and that's fine. But that's fine. And then you have this other instance of the the Ohio congressman Max Miller, and he was with a reporter, Ali Vitali from oh, yeah. NBC. And then some staffer just went up to his face and said, "Free Palestine." I mean, they there's a problem. And, yeah, and uh, he, here's yeah. what I think about them. Like on the both on the Hill in the White House, and I would say this if it were a Republican president, but the Republicans sure. would have fewer problems with this because there is less of this sort of yeah. protest culture embrace. Much less. Same with colleges, same with the White House, same with the Hill. Nip this in the bud unless you want chaos to increase. Yeah, it'll just fester. Once once they know, once the interns know <laughs> that they can run the place, that they can, for instance, like on college campuses, occupy buildings. Or yeah, that they can make their bosses do things. They will continue to demand that. And you will have some really bad and escalating norms, yeah. <laughs> new norms on, yeah. on the Hill and at the White House. So I say, yeah. I, I believe it was, was it Brown University, I think, yeah. arrested yeah. a bunch of kids, had a bunch of kids arrested, kids, I say kids, they're adults, but they act like children, had a bunch of students arrested for occupying a building as they should. You yeah. don't have they don't booked punish, them right there on the spot. Yeah. Don't punish college students for speech, even mm -hmm. outrageous speech. Punish them for the things that are actually yeah. non-speech and violate all your rules, right? That's a, that's a, that's the easy step. Take that step yeah. first. Same with the White House, same with the Hill. Here is uh, Kamala Harris, since we are, as, as you know, big fans, meeting with, she's talking with the Polish president in Warsaw, and this is just oh, yes. one of her answers. The newly elected. It's, a, it's beautiful. Ready? We all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see and because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen. There you go, Vic. Wait a minute, what is, what is she talking about? It doesn't matter. 
Oh, it doesn't matter sorry. because it doesn't make any sense. And it's a beautiful, if perfect you were, again, Kamala if, Harris clip. We say this all the time, but if you were a, a screenwriter for Veep and you came up with this line, they'd say, okay, that's pushing it. No yeah. one would actually say this. You know? She's she is pretty amazing in yeah. Yeah. in that in that sense. I just wanted to say the Biden problem is how they want it both ways really quickly on on Israel is he's trying to thread that needle on the one hand, it would be great for Israel to eliminate Hamas, then problem solved. But they would love for he would love for Israel to eliminate Hamas on his timetable, which is this weekend. If you could just finish <laughs> yeah. it by this weekend, we're we'll be great. And that's well and the, I mean, one of the heads of one of the heads of the sort of the equivalent of the cabinet and the the cl- close knit yeah. group that makes the decisions about the war. I can't remember who it was. Was speaking to the French president and said this is going to take several months. So yeah. they're sending no, they're sending the message that this ain't going to be over yeah. anytime soon. At best, at best. All right, you asked what what we we needed to talk about Virginia sports. Oh, that's you know right. how many professional teams does Virginia have? That's, no, we're that's gonna have two. We're gonna yeah. have two, Vic. Okay. Your mileage may vary on whether you care to have two professional well, it depends on where they're located. It really matters so to the you. Capitals, the Capitals and the Wizards. The Wizards are the NBA franchise. The Capitals, the hockey franchise mm-hmm. in Stanley Washington. Mm-hmm. They play in the middle of Chinatown yep. in a what used to be the MCI Center. Now, the is, is it the Verizon Center now? Or the is Cap it Center else? now, right? The Capital One Arena. Yeah, Capital One Arena now. Uh-huh. Now, this is interesting because, first of all, a little bit of history on gallery place in Chinatown, which is yes. that area of town. It was a real disaster until that arena existed. Yes. And things really turned around. It used to be full of like rundown townhomes that we, we no used one to, would want to live in. Yes. We used to call it, when I was in college, we called it China Block because it was such a very small community, but you'd go there for really good Chinese food at Mr. Young's. There was another place called Gullo's. And of course, the very famous Tony Chang's, but you had to go in and out. You can't yes. hang out on that street. Right. And like, if you were to, I remember hearing a story from a friend who in like the early 2000s found a townhome in Chinatown for sale for like $115,000 or something. I hope your friend sold it now. No, he was, he didn't buy it. And he looked back later and was like, oh, story of most of our lives. But it's going, it's going the opposite direction now because, okay. So Virginia governor Glenn Youngkin has reached a tentative agreement with the parent company of the NBA's Washington Wizards and NHL's Washington Capitals to move those teams from the District of Columbia to what he called a new visionary sports and entertainment venue in Northern Virginia. The proposal, which would need state legislature approval, calls for the creation of a $2 billion sports and entertainment district south of Washington in Alexandria. This is right outside the city. Now, what's amazing to me about this is, and I keep saying, we have not even begun to reckon with what COVID policies did to American cities and the surrounding areas to some extent, Virginia, even under Northam, who was the Democratic governor before Youngkin, stayed quite a bit more open in areas oh, than yeah. Washington did during mm-hmm. COVID. So Yeah, the shutdown was horrendous. What's That's remarkable true. about American cities, Washington in particular, is like they basically committed suicide during 2020. They were yeah. like, you know what? We don't want any workers down here, even though that pays all the bills and keeps all the restaurants open and is a large part of the tax base. But we don't want any of the restaurants to be open which is the whole draw for yeah. living here at a great expense. Or oh, we're going to impose um, insane rules on your ability to operate during yes. this time. Yes. So all like they did all these things on purpose. And then there were the protests and yes, riots uh, that happened in June, 2020. Yep. And 
for which people weren't correctly punished mm-hmm. and nobody got the message that they weren't supposed to do those crimes. And then just like a general loosening of law enforcement in in the city. And in the end, what happens is that people don't want to go to these games anymore because it's more dangerous to go to the games. Yeah. If you take kids down there, even if you're not, there's a threat, you will probably see some drug use. You will probably have to walk by yeah. a tent city or two. It's going to be a much hairier experience than a colleague, it was a couple years ago. A colleague tells me just the other day at the Metro stop, might have been Gallery Place Chinatown, it was just a bunch of guys who were just hanging out along the wall and they're ready to deal drugs. Yeah. They're just there. And and you have some very, you know, not well people who, who, who are homeless and, and ill and doing all sorts of really sort of terrible things directly across from uh, the Capital One arena, according to another eyewitness I spoke with. Yeah, it's it's not great. Now, Ted Leonsis, who, of course, is the great, you know, the, the owner of the Washington Wizards and the Capitals, he was very kind in saying that what, he had a vision for this complex that is not only sports, but apparently a music hall, too. And Virginia offered the space yeah. for him to fulfill that vision. Okay, so and, and obviously the city does not have uh, the space, but it just doesn't help when well, violent, and- violent crime is up 40%, right? Yes. Homicides are up 34%. The city council, with the DC city council is on another planet. So they lowered the penalty for carjackings. And now to this up to now, which the year is not even over yet, we have 932 carjackings this year. I mean, they, they, send out, they send out instructions for how to drive through yeah. D.C. as if it were yeah, brace the yourself. State Department yeah. alert for if you're like traveling to yeah. Yeah, somewhere that it's controlled by a drug cartel. I mean, that, that's oh, yeah. what it right. sounds like. Yeah. But it's <laughs> what's remarkable to me also is that, look, all of American cities did a lot of this to themselves. Mm-hmm. Seattle, Portland, LA, LA, Chicago, right? And Muriel Bowser in a clip that we played last week sort of seemed to be coming to the realization oh, totally. that this has gone too far, but I don't it's very hard to claw it's this back. It is. And what's more remarkable about Bowser, who I believe is in her third term as mayor. Yes, third term. What's more remarkable about Bowser than even the other cities yeah. and their mayors is that you have an economy that is the size of a medium countries, mm-hmm. right? Right there. Right here in your yeah. city. It can't leave. Yeah. Not only can it not leave DC, it is fueled by taxpayer dollars, which yeah. means it runs in perpetuity. Yes. Insulated <laughs> from the economy. Right. Insulated from bad business decisions. It it has no need to survive with good yeah. ideas or innovation, or right. serving people, because it's just the government, okay? And mm-hmm. all the people attached to it. And you took that, and you still managed to chase most of that economy three miles across a bridge. Yeah. I mean, again, as you mentioned, you know, most of government has not come back to work. No. You know, a lot of them are remote. The last time I was in the city, which was maybe last week, the you know my Uber driver is pointing at all the many buildings that have leasing signs on them, open for lease. You know, nobody's. A lot of people have never come back. And some of the offices I know, where I visit some of our friends, you know, on the same floor or other offices that they've never seen anybody be in there, yeah. go in there ever. So I mean that. And meanwhile, Glenn Youngkin, who is you know the big winner in all this, you know, not only is he bringing jobs, it's a it's like a two billion dollar project, but they estimate and. 
over the next, you know, decades or so, something like 12 billion. You know, I mean, it's going to and it's going to be huge and you don't have to cross the bridge for us. And there's going to probably be more restaurants. On the other hand, Mary Catherine, there's things like traffic. And I want to know, how do you feel about this? Ah, I mean, I'm a little bit I'm pretty skeptical in general of making deals for sports arenas ah. because any money that you're dumping into that. Look, I'm on the fence about it because my libertarian side says don't give any government money to this yeah, because yeah. Tax sports, and such. sports guys can mm -hmm. take care of themselves and they have a lot of money. Right. And why are we doing that? However, I have lived in a city or two where the creation of an arena does create a situation where right. the neighborhood around it becomes revitalized, where you have a lot more that is on offer to the city, to the people of the city. So look, this is going to go in Potomac Yard, which I don't want to get too local for people is right outside of DC. I used to live in that area. It is pretty bottlenecked in there. So yeah, it goes straight down Route 1. And I still haven't quite figured out where exactly are they going to have this next to Potomac Yards, like next to the Target behind it. I mean, it's. I don't know. Yeah. it's. I mean, and I don't, don't forget HQ, that. Amazon HQ is there too. HQ2 is there. I mean, they could just take down all of yeah. Crystal City, right? Yeah. No, I mean, just give them Crystal City. At any rate. At any rate, it's going to be, it will be, be something. The traffic will be. A, a serious issue that they're going to yeah. have to figure yeah. out. So I'm kind of on the fence about it in that way, but I do think, and I do, I really don't want Washington DC to fail as a city. No. And uh, I'm happy that the Nats are still going to be there, but yeah. Navy Yard is not downtown. So, I mean, that's a whole other thing. You know? But I don't, I don't want DC to fail, yeah. but this is just a logical result of many of the policies in yeah. place. So yeah, you can't not, sort of, not help. you can't be like Muriel Bowser and just be like, okay, we let this get too far, but everybody has to stay here and come back to work and do the things. And it's like, well, we, we're not subsidizing you with our behavior yeah. after you've created yeah. the situation. And she also has no control over the various departments, you know, trying to get people to come back to work. You know, that's up to the departments. And the, and the, this and is the true. Department. And, the, but this yeah. is the, this is a deeper issue of the, the, the left sort of adopting stay homeism as mm -hmm. their most important signal yeah. that you yeah. were doing yeah. good. And so it yep. stuck with a lot of people. And look, there was going to be some sort of market correction for corporate real estate in each of these cities, regardless. Like there was just enough work at home and mm -hmm. enough flexibility that people were not going to back go back to the thing full time. But you didn't right. have to do the crime stuff. You could have kept enforcing those laws. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, they made it much more harder than it already was. Yeah. Here's Muriel Bowser, by the way, speaking to this issue, and here's what she chooses to say. Look, I'm the I'm the D.C. mayor. I'm not a, a expert on their crime, but that that traffic is notorious, so people know about it. And um, I think which lines go to that station? Blue and yellow. Blue and yellow. So every line goes to Gallery Place, uh, right? Red, blue, orange, and yellow, yellow and green. Is that right? I think that's right. That's not right. So her response is the traffic's really bad in Virginia and our metro has a lot more lines going through it. I don't know which ones they are, even though I've been the mayor for <laughs> three yeah. terms. Uh, also, yeah. And also, you know, metro is in not great shape and they're about. That's the other affairs. thing. They're closing down some of the stations. They think that don't have as many people using it and the, and, and the wait times are going to be much longer. So yeah, it's yeah. the do it's the doom loop and it's real. And yep. It is largely self-imposed. Yeah. I don't love it. I don't love it. Oh, uh, we have one more one more silly thing before we go, right? Yes. Like, Do you want to talk about okay. Yeah, go go for it. 
Hold on, I'm gonna play a little bit of this clip. This is from Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. It's the cold open, and it's about the college presidents testifying on the Hill. This will right, be fun. Which is great, because we all know how horrible they did. We did, they they did were, so terrible. They were terrible. They were terrible. You're watching C-SPAN. Later, is Taylor Swift now dating Marco Rubio? But first, testimony from three university presidents on the subject of anti-Semitism on college campuses. Thank you. We're joined today by the heads of three of our most esteemed universities, the president of MIT, Sally Kornbluth. I've never been more afraid to be anywhere. <laughs> the president of UPenn, Elizabeth McGill. Can I just resign now? <laughs> Not yet. And the president of Harvard, Dr. Claudine Gay. Thank you. Dr. Gay, would you like to do a quick joke about your name to get it out of the way? I would. Dr. Gay sounds like a molly dealer on Fire Island. Thank you. Now, I'll turn it over to mega superstar Elise Stefanik from New York, who's been pacing the hallways listening to Lose Yourself by Eminem. Miss Stefanik. Thank you, chairwoman. Now, I'm gonna start screaming questions at these women like I'm Billy Eichner. Anti-Semitism, yay or nay? I'm sorry, what? Yes or no is calling for the genocide of Jews against the Code of Conduct for Harvard. Well, it depends on the context. <gasps> what? <laughs> that can't be your answer, you pen lady. Same question, yes or no? Well, we are serious about stopping all forms of hatred, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia. <laughs> The second one, MIT lady, chance to steal. And keep in mind, if you don't say yes, you're gonna make me look good, which is really, really hard to do. So I'll ask you straight up, do you think genocide is bad? Could I submit an answer in writing at a later date? Am I winning this hearing? Somebody pinch me. Republicans pounce, Vic. It's a little, ah, you know, okay, fine. So it wasn't as, I, I, so I, I was expecting it to be, my, my, my expectations were much lower, believe it or not. So I'm actually surprised they, they didn't make them out to be that great. And nevertheless, nevertheless, you know, it's- Elise is definitely the villain. So we got and, that going. And shrill. So on the one hand, it's, you know, part of it's surprising because if you watch the hearings, you, you would think that the emphasis- you know, the performance of these presidents. And they do make fun of them a little bit, but not quite, clearly not to the extent that they're making fun of Lisa Stefanik, who is obviously worked up about it. On the other hand, I'm not really surprised. I mean, you think about the writers who are there now. You think about, I don't know, the cold open after the 2016 election when Kate McKinnon was <laughs> yes. dressed as Hillary Clinton and playing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And they were all probably crying on the side, oh, you know, uh, and I don't mean that as a, I'm, I'm serious. I'm sure they were crying at that time. No, was, it, that was, uh, you know, you're right. It does. It was better than that. And I didn't mind the Dr. Gay joke. I thought it was like so yeah. funny. I, I chuckled a little bit. I will say the house engaged in a bit of a cell phone from my point of view after that hearing when it passed a bipartisan resolution Wednesday calling for the resignation of Harvard President Claudine Gay in light of her controversial congressional testimony, testimony on campus anti-Semitism last week. It passed by a lot. It's 303-126 for, for requesting the resignation of MIT President Sally Kornbluth and Gay. McGill has already stepped down. It's not Congress's job to fire people from no. private universities. And they shouldn't, the yeah, they shouldn't get involved in yeah. that. Especially I, I, if you yeah. want to argue that the Universities should be pro-free speech, which I do. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I don't want to be, so I don't want to be one of these. I thought the skit is weak, but there is a lot of weak skits lately. I think that I don't want to be these people who will say like, oh, it hasn't been good since the nineties, you know, because a lot of people do say that you see that, oh, I have stopped watching since whatever. But I remember when I was in high school, my English teacher, Mr. Sunday would say, oh, you know, it's the seventies. That was the best Saturday Night Live. You know, that's Phil Hartman. I guess he's okay, you know, or whatever. And of course for us, I mean, this is classic. So I'm not going to be that. And I will acknowledge, I mean, there's some great skits. I think Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks is one of the funniest things uh, ever been done. And the writing is very smart in a very long time. So here's my theory is the writers now, they get so excited about having these celebrity cameos that they just rely on their mere presence to carry the skit. And they don't actually do a lot of effort in terms of making the writing funny. So a lot of it is like, you know, look, it's 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 Robert De Niro as, as Robert Mueller. Isn't that funny? You know, or Alec Baldwin. I don't know. Alec Baldwin is Donald Trump. Ah, I don't know about that one anymore. And they do the they do a lot of SNL shorts, right? Yeah. And they're very slick and they can be very funny too, but that it's not live, you know. Right. You know um, the yeah. the I was raised on 70s SNL and I think it was oh. great. My parents yeah. my parents my parents actually remember watching the first SNL live. Wow. And so we watched it's, that when we were kids just it's an entirely it wasn't different live. Animal. It wasn't yeah. live but it was in replays on sure. on other stations so we would watch that but there was a great episode with Nate Bargatze maybe a month ago. Okay. And he's a stand up actually he's from Nashville. Uh, does clean comedy, but is this very, he's an exploding, exploding in popularity. And they had at least one great skit, which is the George Washington one. You should look it up and watch it. If you oh, I saw it. that. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, you know, there are gems I, here and there. It is what is weird is I cannot possibly imagine though, that on the, with the current cast or the cast of the last, you know, you know, 10 years or so that you would have as many conservatives on the show as you did. When, when you look back in the 90s, and maybe they weren't as conservative as they later on became, certainly that's the case with some right. of them, but Dana Carvey, Adam Sandler, Dennis Miller, you know, Victoria Jackson, who went way out on the right. It's, 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 a, and, and not to me- mention now, you know, you know, our very staunch pro Israel defenders like Rob Schneider and John Lovitz. It, it, that, it was, it was a different time. Yeah. So we, got the, we got the '90s folks wrapped up. We do, I know. Now they're, you know, it's a great one for the Christmas holidays. Is the the different ending for "It's a Wonderful Life"? Have you ever seen that one? I'll with, have to uh, look it up. I remember this. Yes, and, you know, and, and and Dana Carvey, of course, plays George Bailey. Old Man Potter is John Lovitz in the wheelchair, and 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 in fact, the brother that comes home is played by Dennis Miller. It's very good. It's Love very it. good. Okay, Mary Catherine, you made it. I did. You didn't think you were going to make it. Because it's getting worse. (laughs) Yes. Okay, good. Well, let me wrap things up by just saying thank you to many listeners, multiple listeners who told me that I did the right thing when it came to the black ice. So listener Andrew, I don't have his last name. He said, quote, assuming you were driving a car with four wheel ABS, pretty much any car built since the 90s. So that would count as my Subaru legacy. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. Stomp on the brake pedal and keep it pinned until the car stops. Pumping the brakes is only relevant to cars with without anti-lock brakes, which is basically your classic antique cars at this point. Aaron Cromar, he credits my Subaru. And Greg Zawicki says in part, quote, continuous application of your anti-lock brakes enabled brakes was exactly the right thing to do. They pumped themselves out. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, this is this is the problem, Vic. We're at the we're at we're like a bridge generation where both of us have car knowledge from before they re they modernized cars before and ABS. Yeah, yeah, stuck okay. in there. Yeah, that's true. No, they they told they taught you pump yes. that brake. Okay, that wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow the show at Getting Hammered Podcast, and you should. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Okay.